Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? A nation turns its lonely eye to you. Much the same could be said about me and my podcast. Where have you gone, the real John Baker? Twelve listeners turn a lonely ear when they don't hear you. But I'm back, and um, I'm glad to be back. I had a little bit of a computer issue. I did a little bit of traveling, went to Canada, uh, spent Canada Day there. Happy 151st birthday, Canada. And um, came back and then had some audio issues and decided, got to get right back on this. So fixed the audio issues, got in touch with my friend Sandy Sharkey from Ottawa, who is about to embark on an African adventure after returning from her, I think she said it was a 67-day road trip across America's Southwest. And uh, for those of you who know Sandy, uh, she is a broadcaster, former broadcaster, I guess current, you know, she was just on my podcast. And uh, she is a advocate for animals and uh, like a hundred other things that I, I, I couldn't even begin to list. So I'm going to let her tell you all about it. But we talked about um, the plight of the American wild horse, uh, something that's very, uh, Sandy's very passionate about. And um, you'll hear it in her words. Um, she absolutely uh, is an amazing uh, woman for doing what she wants, for doing what she's doing. And you can check out what uh, her photographs, she takes these amazing photographs, but she, she does more than that. She really is trying to make a better world for these horses. And uh, I hope you listen to it and I hope you enjoy it. And then I hope you go to her website, Sandy Sharkey. Uh, it's K-E-Y at the end. There's an E in there. Uh, SandySharkey.com. And she, uh, there's links there. But I also, I'm going to drop a few uh, websites at the end that she talks about. And we talk about a bunch of other things. We talk about music. We talk about, um, you know, our radio days together and her radio days prior to that and a bunch of other things. I hope you enjoy it. I'm glad to be back. It's the broad, the the broadcast. The podcast, as you know, is Too Lazy to Write with me, your host, the real John Baker. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this interview I did uh, with Sandy Sharkey. Enjoy it. Hey, Sandy Sharkey, how are you? <laughs> I am fine. How are you? Oh, I'm great here. It's um, overcast and and warm again today in Virginia. So Nice. Well, here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, um, woke up this morning and it's 21 degrees and we're all doing a dance of joy because, you know, we're at the risk of everyone being really angry with me for complaining about heat because you're not supposed to ever do that right. in Ottawa. Right. Um, the last few days, it we were in the Amazon jungle here in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Um, we we drove up on uh, at the end of July, or sorry, the end of June. And took my daughter to summer camp. And it was just on July 1st, it was ridiculously hot. Oh, you were here. Yeah, yeah, oh. just for a few days. Because um, my daughter goes to to camp in, oh, uh, nice. in Quion, So, Oh, did you have to, like, peel your clothes off? It was just awful. Okay. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> anyway, so. People who put those Canada Day... Uh, tattoos, those temporary tattoos on their faces. I understand they're still there. They cannot get them. Oh, off. really? <laughs> <laughs> because they were because of the heat and the humidity and the sweat. It just like made the ink go like to the third layer of skin. Oh, that's really funny. That's <laughs> really funny. Um, so, 
you've been out of radio for a while now, Sandy Sharkey. Uh, what have you yes. been doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess my last day on the radio was two years ago. Okay. Um, and it really bummed me out for one reason. And, and it's kind of funny. Um, my husband and I were on Sable Island. Uh, we had gone there with Adventure Canada and we were photographing the wild horses and just having a blast. And I had to come back to work. Okay. And uh, we got off the boat and we were in Newfoundland and we're sitting at an outdoor patio having a beer and we don't want to come back. Like mm-hmm. we want to stay another week. And I, I said, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. Like I had to go to work the next day. So, you know, the morning show, right? So uh, we get on the plane, we come home. I Nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, sorry. You, 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 you fell out there for a second. You said you get on the plane. Get on the plane. We, uh, you know, I go, I go to work the next day, oh, Monday morning. I do my radio show, 530 to 9. And then the boss calls me in and I got let go at 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, and the first God. thing I said to him was, why couldn't you have done this before <laughs> I left for Samuel Island? Because it could have stayed longer. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, that um that was really okay with me because uh I had worked in radio for oh my goodness, like thirty-five years plus or something, like off and on. Yeah. Um and I knew that I was headed into a different direction anyway. Like for years, like concurrently with being a radio announcer, I was honing my, you know, my passion for photography. Right. So um I started photographing animals and nature because that's what, you know, you just photograph what you love, right? right? And eventually I started to learn um, about wild horses to the point where I did a lot of intel, met a lot of connections and started realizing that wild horses were going to be my pretty much my sole subject that I photographed. And the reason that I chose wild horses was um, because if you've ever seen a wild horse, and, and I might as well ask you, have you, John, seen a wild horse? Honestly, I think I only saw um, when we were in Iceland, and I was on a bus, and we were on a bus tour, and they sort of just pointed them out. I never have seen them, though, no. Okay. The Icelandic horses are actually not wild horses, but... So I've never seen a wild horse. Then. <laughs> <laughs> really mean of me i should have just let you think no no you cleared up the misconception (laughs) you're out that's it i'm not talking to you anymore you've never seen a wild horse um in 2013 i i was still a radio announcer i uh went to an incredible sanctuary in california called return to freedom and i just found this online one day you know i was just poking around and and I discovered the sanctuary so I booked a photographic workshop there for a week and this is a sanctuary that takes in wild horses that have been displaced from public lands uh, through government roundup and it's a beautiful place with rolling hills and the wild horses get to be you know wild horses again and I just went with the idea of photographing these horses. Well, once I was there, I realized this is an extremely complicated, serious, deep issue that's facing wild horses. So um, I thought, okay, what can I do? I'm a Canadian. Um, the issues are also taking place here in Alberta on a smaller scale, of course, but um, throughout the American Southwest, there's a war on America's wild horses right now. And 
through photography and spreading the word and thinking, okay, what can I do? I launched uh, my husband and I and my dog uh, mm-hmm. in an RV. We went um, in April. We left for Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and we drove. Oh, my God. By the time we got back, I think we had clocked 25,000 kilometers wow. or something like that. 14, 15,000 miles. We went to 20 U.S. states. And I found and photographed and documented wild horses in New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, and North Dakota. And now I'm back and I've got, um, I think I have 30,000 photos (laughs) to go through. Um, And my plan is over the next little while to just put together not only photos because yeah it's nice to have nice pictures of wild horses but the story behind these horses is what I want people to know about more than anything and I want people to know how much trouble they're in right now does does the trouble come from uh developing like is it I, I don't I, like I don't know I'm talking out my ass here right I don't yeah. know but like is it like the pipeline for example is that well, something that would affect the horses that's um, all of the different state. There's a lot of different stakeholders that affect the wild horses. Certainly, the you know the oil industry, the energy industry, but the the prime target for wild horses is actually the American government, if you can believe it. And the reason is um, these horses are deemed as competition for grazing on public lands. And there is no science whatsoever to back up that the horses do, <clears throat> excuse me, any damage to the rangeland. It, it, it's kind of complicated, but I can summarize it for you in a way, um, hopefully, that's clear. Um, the horses, you know, enjoyed freedom in the 50s and the 60s. They were, um, the horses had been brought over by the Spanish people in the 1500s. Um, these specific sort of Spanish riding horses that eventually through over the years, they, they, be, you know, they broke away, got free, formed their own herds. There were also um, horses from the, the first nations people. And essentially what happened was horses are very sturdy, strong survivors. They can figure things out. So pockets of wild horses roamed all over the American Southwest, thousands and thousands and thousands of them in different areas, mostly the states that I just mentioned that we went to. Um, So then what happened was uh, ranchers and cowboys and cattlemen decided that this was a source of income for them to round up the horses and sell them to dog food. Oh, God. That was in the 50s and the 60s. Um, And this became a huge source of income for these people. They were called Mustangers. In fact, there's a movie called The Misfits with okay. Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable. Yeah. And Clark Gable is a Mustanger. So, you know, just to put things into perspective a little bit, if anybody wanted to, you know, watch that film or had seen that film, they know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So there was money to be made, if you can believe it, um, rounding up these incredible symbols of freedom of the West and um, and sending them off to, to dog food. So what happened was a woman who... Um, worked in a ranch actually she started seeing how horrific this was her name was Velma Johnston and she got the nickname of Wild Horse Annie and she had polio and she was a woman who you know was just a little tiny thing that was crippled 
And she started a letter writing campaign and she started making all kinds of noise that this is wrong. We need to respect our wild horses. At that point, the wild horses were down to something like 25,000 horses. There had been, you know, half a million um, because they were being slaughtered. And in 1971, the U.S. Congress passed an act, the Wild Horse and Burrow Act, um, to protect these these horses and wild burrows as well. It was actually Richard Nixon that signed off on it, if you can believe it. One of the good things that he did. Um, so essentially the horses were protected under the, by the, uh, the American government. Oh, okay. But then what they did is they handed the wild horse file to the one agency that would be the worst agency you can give the file to. It was the Bureau of Land Management. And the Bureau of Land Management exists to um, figure out how are we going to have all of the different stakeholders use our public lands. But they have always, always been, number one priority was the cattlemen and the ranchers. Mm -hmm. So now they've been tasked with um, protecting the wild horses, but also uh, appeasing the people that want them gone. Mm -hmm. So the cattlemen and the ranchers... They lease the public lands for their cattle to graze. So it costs them next to nothing. They don't own the land. It's public land. It costs them a pittance to have their cattle grazing on that land, but that's been going on forever. And they don't like the wild horses. They want them gone. So the Bureau of Land Management created these things called um, uh, appropriate management levels of wild horses on different management areas. So let's say there's a, a section of Nevada called the Pine Nut uh, Wild Horse Management Area. It's all very government speak, right? Yeah. Um, they will deem that in that section, the wild horses now have a finite area that they're allowed to be, and they're, they're not allowed to exceed a number they just pull out of their butts, really. 127 horses. That's it. They're not per, allowed to exceed that. Per, like, whatever hectare or, or, yeah. or whatever the, the measurement is or the space, they've allotted them. They've allotted them a space, and then they've, they've, they've allotted a, a number that's allowed to exist there. Exactly. Okay. So this is a perfect system for disaster, um, but it, it somehow appeases the cattle men who are all worried that this, you know, the wild horses are going to um, overpopulate and be too much competition for their cattle. So because they've cr- the Bureau of Land Management created this finite system for wild horses, whenever they feel that there are too many horses, because horses breed and mm-hmm. they have foals in the spring, so if they've as- uh, assigned a number of 127 horses for this giant area... Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, two years later, there are 220 horses. They round them up by helicopter, which is one of the most brutal, cruel, inhumane uh, systems you, you could ever see. And I, I've seen footage. I have never seen a, uh, a roundup. I won't. I can't. Sure. But I've seen footage, um, and I have to look away, and it haunts me for days. Um, because these horses are being chased by helicopter, they're run many times to death, foals, um, their little legs can't handle it, their legs break, it's just horrific. And then the horses, because of the 1971 act put, put through by Congress, 
the horses are not allowed to be slaughtered so because they're protected so then they put them in these holding facilities which are these giant areas where the horses are in these rounded up you know sort of oh, they're I don't even know how you describe them. I actually went to visit one and I was horrified, but um, that's another story. But just so they're, they're, they languish out in the hot sun in these holding facilities where they're just stockpiled. These wild horses are just stockpiled there. And um, so what happens is you can go and you can buy a wild horse for $125. Uh, the horses are, you know, they're they're defeated. They're sad. They they don't. They're they've been ripped apart from their families. Wild horses have very very close families. Um, they're called family bands, and usually it's a it's one stallion, a lead mare, a few other mares, and some foals. And in a roundup, they don't care about keeping these animals together. So their families are ripped apart, and they they feel the same way about their families as we do. Well, I don't know if you feel uh, strongly about your family, but... <laughs> no. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> so if you just try to imagine, you know, how much you love your family and, you know, your daughter has been taken away, your wife is, you don't know where she is. That's what happens with these wild horses when they get rounded up and put in these holding facilities. So someone can go and get a wild horse for $125. So what's been happening is... Uh, first of all, there's too many wild horses in, in holding facilities. Um, I think there's some, there are something like 60,000 wild horses now in holding facilities. Oh, my God. And what I should mention that's really important in this whole crazy story is that there are only something like 45,000 wild horses still free. There are more horses in holding facilities than there are free. And on these public lands, there are 19 million cattle. So, you know, there's about 45, 50,000 wild horses and 19 million cattle. Oh. So the BLM is completely 100%, you know, in favor of the cattle and the ranching on the public lands. Yeah. The wild horses lose. Why do the wild horses lose? Because they don't, they're not a source of revenue. Right. So the, the, the horrific thing that's been happening is uh, besides the roundups and the people of, you know, the United States being very vocal, please leave our wild horses alone. Um, kill buyers are buying these horses uh, for $125, they're going and they're filling in all the paperwork and they're saying, oh, yes, I'm adopting this Mustang for my kid and it's fantastic and I'm going to train this horse. And the horse ends up at a, a livestock auction and goes to slaughter. So the wild horses are going through a different pipeline to be slaughtered. And the BLM, once the BLM um, allows someone to adopt, I use that term loosely, a wild horse for $125, they no longer um, have it under their protection. So then it's going to slaughter. And, and what are they, they're getting the money, obviously, on the other end when they slaughter it, because it would go towards meat Ex or towards exactly. dog food. The, 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 the ranchers that want the horses gone, all, they have worked out this beautiful system. Because when you go back to the 50s and 60s with the Mustangers, 
Well, when the 1971 Act came in, the Mustangers were peeved because mm-hmm. that was a huge source of income. The Mustangers and the ranchers and the cattlemen all worked together. So they, when the, the Act came in, they thought, well, you know, they were angry as hell. So now what, what's happened is the, the contracts for the roundups themselves with the helicopters and the holding facilities all go back to these ranchers. So it's become a multi-million dollar industry that they now, instead of, you know, going out and, and corralling these horses and sending them off to dog food, they can't do that anymore. Now they are being the same people and the, it's over generations. So the sons and the cousins and, yeah. the, you know, it's, it's all the same people um, now are getting the contracts for the roundups. They're getting the contracts for the holding facilities you know, it costs the American taxpayer millions and millions and millions of dollars to keep these horses in these holding facilities. <clears throat> and who's getting the money? The ranchers. The ranchers. Wow. And the cattle. So it, it, it's all, you know, you know, the term follow the money. It, it couldn't be any better applied than the issues that are facing wild horses. So you're, through your beautiful photography, I have to say. Um, Thank you. Is... You're highlighting the the plight, I guess, the beauty and the plight of the wild mm-hmm. horse. And um, like, what can people do? Well, that's a good question, and I'm really glad you asked it because right now is so crucial. The time is so crucial right now because Donald Trump, um, the two words that wreak havoc, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, on everything he touches. Um, Basically, there are different budgets that are going through, et cetera. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the Secretary of the, um, the Interior, um, Ryan Zinke. Actually, no. He, yeah, he's the Secretary, Secretary of the Interior. Sorry. This week, I, he could be Secretary of the Interior. Yeah. <laughs> when is this running? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> next week, he could be Kid Rock, for fuck's sake. <laughs> or Sarah Palin, one yeah, or the other. Yeah, Sarah Palin could be. Yeah. Or no, Ted Nugent. Ted, Let's yeah, put exactly. Ted in charge of the wild horse file. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ryan Zinke um, is absolutely, absolutely a gazillion percent on the side of the ranchers. Really? Like, oh my god! Oh my god. All you have to do is Google Ryan Zinke, and um, he is connected to every single organization in the United States, which is anti everything, anti wild animal, yeah. anti. You know, so very much he's in bed with that whole industry. So um, anyway, you know, the, the battle is big. The battle's huge. Um, there is uh, two bills right now before Congress, one that includes um, basically wiping out the horses through a very, very invasive sterilization method where um, people would go into the field and castrate all of the um, the stallions, and basically give hysterectomies to oh all of the mares. God. So they still, because of the 1971 Act, they can't slaughter them, but they can do their damnedest to just eliminate these animals altogether. So that is actually a bill before Congress right now. There is another bill before Congress, which is much more reasonable, <clears throat> which takes that language out of the sterilization, but it has a lot of other... Uh, restrictions on it and in in neither of the bills are they talking about getting rid of the roundups and essentially it's a broken system that's a vicious cycle that is still going on 
the wild horse advocate and what can we do is you can write, I know we're, I'm in Canada and I'm Canadian, but um, Compassion doesn't know any borders. And I have been including, with my photography, I've been including links that people can go to and they can sign up and they can write to Congress people. It doesn't matter if you're Canadian, you can still do it. Um, and one of the most important things we can do about it is just keep plugging away by sharing the stories share the stories, share that this is going on because there's so much power that people have if they are strong and work together on an issue. And there's one woman, her name is Laura Lee, and she's one of my heroes. She's, a, she's an absolute wild horse warrior. She has single-handedly um, changed laws regarding wild horses uh, with roundups and and they now have to abide by a little bit more humane policy because of this one woman, a homeless woman. Wow. So, you know, she's not homeless anymore, but at the time that she was doing all this stuff, she was a homeless woman. So, you know, a lot of people will say, what can I do on one voice? Well, I point to people like her. So I uh, include, as I said, with my photos, I try to portray as much as I can the, relationships that wild horses have with each other, with their families, what beautiful animals they are. They are the ultimate uh, symbol of freedom. And so it's so incredibly ironic what the horses are going through right now, being captured this way and removed. So we can do that. We can just keep sharing. And um, the more that people know, I mean, I'm telling you a lot. I'm feeding you a lot of information today. And how much of this information did you already know? I knew none of it, to be honest. With See, you. Yeah. okay. But that's it, what I mean. You it know? kind so of, I, does, it, does it at all echo like what happened to the, and I don't know, but the American buffalo? Well, the American buffalo didn't have anyone standing up for them. Right. Because it was before Facebook. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, very similar. Um, the American buffalo was hunted to extinction just because there were so many of them that they found it to be fun to yeah. shoot them. Yeah. Um, and so they disappeared. And there is a potential for this to happen to the wild horse, but we know better now. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, it's 2018. How can we be letting this happen? I mean, yes, they aren't being shot at from a train, but um, it's a slower, more painful death, really, what the American government is doing to these wild horses. So I'll also say that, you know, wild horse advocates are not just saying, let them be, let them... Um, you know, breed at will and let's have millions of wild right. horses all over our public lands. There is a perfect, perfect compromise in place. And the Bureau of Land Management refuses to do anything with it. It is a, it's called PZP. And what it is, is it's a, it's a dart that you dart into the, the butt of a mare from okay. a distance. It's basically a, you know, a rifle. Yeah. It shoots a dart into the butt of a mare and it, she cannot have a baby for two years after she gets started. There is zero side effects for her. It's, and so wild horse advocates have been pleading with the BLM to, instead of rounding these horses up and putting them into these terrible out-in-the-desert sun holding facilities to languish till they die, um, fertility control you know uh, and and this is a, such a logical solution but the blm won't do it and do you know why i'm gonna say it has to do with money 
Exactly. Yeah. If if there are less wild horses, then the um, the beautiful circle that puts millions of dollars into the rancher's pocket Is... of the roundups and the holding facilities will be gone. Yeah. So they they ignore the the beautiful perfect solution that wild horse advocates have been pleading um, for years about. They just ignore it. They they act like it doesn't exist. So, you know, there is a solution to this problem that they deem that there's too many wild horses. There is a solution and they're ignoring it. So the best advice you could give to people is to write their elected leaders um, and donate. Is there somewhere people could go to, uh, you had mentioned two names, but I... Yes, yes, you can, you can... This is a really important organization. It was started by Laura Lee, who, as I mentioned a few moments ago, was the homeless woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she's now, she's now the number one wild horse warrior in the United States. And the organization that she created is called Wild Horse Education. So wildhorseeducation.org. Okay. All of the issues that are facing wild horses are on there and all the important links to where you can um, get the voice, get your voice heard, sign up, uh, talk to your congressman. Um, there is two, there are two wildhorseeducation.org and AmericanWildHorseCampaign.com. And once you get to those two organizations um, online, Everything is out there, laid out for you. It's all there. And your own photography is, do you, you have a website, I'm guessing? Yes. My website is uh, my name, sandysharkey.com. With an E, Sharky with an E, right? with an e yeah. yes. E-Y. Well, it wasn't taken, uh, huh? <laughs> I know. Unbelievable. It's really bizarre. <laughs> I know people still laugh at my name and they think that it was a made-up name because I was a radio announcer and often radio announcers have yeah, made-up names. Real. And I would I would have to pull out my driver's license like, <laughs> no, it's my real name. Look, baby Sherry. <laughs> I, when, when I first uh, started at um, Magic in Ottawa, Saul, you remember Saul Jacobson? Yeah. Saul was on the air and my, my aunt asked me if that was his real name. And I remember saying, no, his real name is like, you know, Jerry O'Malley, but he wanted to go after that middle-aged Jewish woman market. <laughs> really? So, I didn't so he, even know that. He chose the most Jewish sounding name. <laughs> of course it's his real name. <laughs> Fucking radio guy would change their name. To, oh, you know, oh, that's lot hilarious. A lot of lonely Jewish women at home on the <laughs> middays. I'm going to get them. <laughs> Everything you love, you love so deeply. I don't know if this if yeah. you can say that about your husband, but I... <laughs> he's still asleep, so oh, okay. I can say whatever okay. I want about him. <laughs> but like you, like you love, you have your passion for your music, and in, in like a small way, you know, you helped bring you two to Ottawa that that one time a few years ago, and yeah. you know, and then I would see you at these at the festivals or cons. I actually thought I saw you at Shania Twain taking pictures, but it was a lookalike. I have a doppelganger. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was blonde and had a camera in front of her face. So I okay. just figured it was you. But you're not... Well, these days it's mostly horses. And I mean, I still absolutely adore uh, live music. And uh, you know what? There's nothing better than a hot summer night, outdoor concert and a beer in your hand. Like, I don't know. It doesn't get any better than that. It's you true. know. And uh, so for 
all those years just enjoying that or at you know doing photography was I think of musicians like I love to photograph wild horses that's pretty evident um my second favorite thing is musicians and I think they're the wild horses of people you know they never they're they're just like they're just like rock I think of wild horses as rock stars and I think of rock stars as wild horses if that makes any sense yeah, because yeah. they they share a lot of the same vibe and lust for life and they never stand still yeah. and they just dart all over the place and they're very challenging to photograph and so I always put those together are you you're you're hitting the road but are <clears throat> you're obviously you're not going to the festival this year uh actually we're going tonight <clears throat> sorry Who, yeah, who's playing um, we really want to see War on Drugs tonight. Okay. And, um, there's a lot, there's some acts tonight that, um, we're just going to go and check out. We don't know them. Yeah. Like last night was Brian Adams. Yeah. So that was huge. Um, but normally I'm at the festival every day, but uh-huh. this particular year, it didn't work out for us, and I'm actually headed to Botswana on Tuesday, so, so yeah, I'm missing most of the festival this year. Is Botswana, you're also going to photograph, uh, like, are there horses there? I'm guessing there are horses there. So is that the same thing? Um, it's not, this is not a wild horse trip. Okay. This is a, um, ever since I was a little girl, I, you know, watched Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and uh, um, love, love, love <laughs> any kind of footage of all those amazing African animals. So... You know, there's a lot of issues facing African animals right now as well with the elephants and the giraffes and the trophy hunting and all yeah. those things. So I'm thinking, you know, when I get back from Africa, I'm going to work on my wild horse stories, my photos. I'm going to put together some articles for some magazines down the road. It takes Sometimes I have to take a while once I get back from a trip to really look back in the rearview mirror and figure out what angle I want to take. And I, I need to think about it. You know, I don't like yeah. to just jump into something when I get home. So Africa is going to be down the road for me. I'm going on Tuesday, but um, I know when I'm there, I'm going to get very involved in all this, the stories that are, uh, you know, um, sad in nature. I mean, I'm going for a joyous reason to be with those animals, but I will probably hear some sad stories and then yeah. I'm going to come home and I'll probably, you know, put together a photographic exhibition um, of the of those animals as well. That's down the road, though. I mean, I I do want to focus on wild horses. This trip came up. It was something like, you know, okay, I need to tick this box off because I I cannot go through my entire life without going to Africa. I wish I had done it a long time ago, but I'm very excited about being there because Botswana is the one African country that has the most elephants. Um, it also has no trophy hunting whatsoever. Oh, okay. It's not allowed in Botswana. So, I, you know, of the fear of me going to Africa and being shoulder to shoulder with a trophy hunter. Yeah, that. I, I think I would end up in an African prison pretty fast. Oh, God. I hope, like, you don't get on your flight. I'm guessing you're probably going to go, like, to Heathrow or something and then to Africa. Frankfurt, actually. Okay, Frankfurt. I hope, like, for that last stretch, you're not sitting next to some guys like, <laughs> oh, yes, it's been my my fantasy for years to, you know, fele rhino. I don't know. Oh, gee. I don't even know what voice I'm doing. I was trying to figure that out, too. I'm not sure what accent that is exactly. I don't know. <clears throat> I always do like those stories where you see, like, and I, I mean, I... I 
I think it's reprehensible when people trophy hunt, but I, I, I always like to see, you know, when they, they shoot the animal and it falls on them and kills them. Well, that just happened. Not exactly yesterday, but, um, Laureen Harper, the, our former prime minister's wife is very active on Twitter Mm -hmm. and she takes great glee whenever someone who slaughters a wild animal has something sad happen to them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm trying to be diplomatic, but yeah. uh, she tweeted out something yesterday about poachers that had been, I don't, I'm not really sure how, you know, wide a swath their devastation was, but they were doing some, some heavy duty damage on American or sorry, African wildlife. So, um, and they got eaten yesterday. Great. I, lo- I love it. I love it. <laughs> like when that, when that dude, uh, the dentist killed Cecil the lion. Oh yeah. And then yeah. everybody was protesting in front of his, his practice and where I, wherever he was mm. from. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't know how you, this is something that always, that always makes me curious. I, and, and no one will ever have the answer to this, but you're a little kid and little kids tend to gravitate towards animals. They, you know, they just like being around them. You know, they have all this wide eyed curiosity yeah. and they have dogs and cats and they, they tend to just like, it's in their nature to love animals. So what turns a little kid yeah, into know. a bloodthirsty trophy hunter that just wants to, you know, I don't know, show off their machismo yeah. by having a head on their wall. Like, where, what, what went awry with that kid? Yeah. That's what I always wonder. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I never, like, when you go into a restaurant, especially down here, I've gone into a few restaurants, and you see, like, you know, the stuffed bear or the, or the you mm-hmm. know, deer head mount. It's like, ugh, I don't want to eat here now. Yeah, I know. I, I was in a restaurant here in Ottawa a couple of years ago. I talked to the manager about it. It was, a, it's a chain, Montana's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a chain of restaurants and, um, there was a leg hold trap on oh. the wall. Like, Jeez. you know, the theme of it is all like big country, alpine, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, okay. So on the wall as a work of art, a piece of art is one of the most brutal things that has ever been invented by mankind you know, to have a slow suffering death yeah. by an animal. So it's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that's pleasant as I'm sitting here eating my, my salad, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I think it, it all comes back to awareness. I yeah. think a lot of people just need to know this, this kind of stuff, you know, and I don't go through my life being miserable and, um, focusing on negativity. I don't, uh, one of the reasons that I'm doing this you know, the, the philanthropy with wild horses is I'm showing off their beauty as much as I can because I figure that's going to, that is going to spread the word more than if I show footage of horrific roundups. Right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm trying to go the positive route. With, yeah. Look at how beautiful this animal is and encourage people to hop in their car, go on a road trip, get on a plane, go to where the wild horses are. Um, because once you see them in real life, it can change your life yeah. to see wild horses in real life. So, you know, I have already had some people follow my advice and go out to Alberta and fly to Calgary, rent a car. Within 90 minutes, you're 
in the Alberta foothills with wild horses. Now, it's that easy. Are they are they friendly? Will they come to you? Wild horses are generally they don't give a crap about you and okay. ignore you. Great. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, they, what they do is they're very curious about people and uh -huh. sometimes when you see a wild horse or a wild horse family band, let's say there's seven wild horses together and they're up on a ridge or something. So, you know, I'll approach, I know how to, you know, keep my body language extremely calm. I, I have my body language in such a way that I'm acting like I don't care that they're there either. Okay. You know, I walk sort of not toward, never, never directly towards, always just kind of on an angle, like, you know, stop, you know, look at the sun, check out my camera, have an apple, like just be yeah. so calm. And then what happens eventually is my body language, Sam, I am zero reason to fear anything. And their body language is now is curious and alert, but then they go back to grazing and they go back to doing what they were doing and they don't even care about you anymore. And that's pretty much the way that you approach wild horses. And that's how you can get some, you know, great photography. Um, they, when they start doing what they're normally doing and ignoring you, then you get some incredible photography because then you get their interactions with each other. They're, they groom each other. Um, they teach each other lessons. You know, the stallion figures that his foal is uh, a little bit too far away from the family band. He goes over and he nips him on the butt and sends him back. Oh. You know, this kind of thing. It goes on. And then one of the things that wild horse photographers love is when there's a battle between stallions and a stallion that has earned the right to have mares and foals, he then has to keep protecting them like for, forever. Okay. He has to protect them. So a, uh, a bachelor stallion is a stallion that does not have a family and they're, they, all they do is walk around looking for a family to steal. Oh. And so when you see photos of two stallions battling with each other, that is, you know, a defending stallion who, um, has now been, you know, kind of confronted by a bachelor. And then that scuffle can look extremely dramatic and it makes for great photography. But one of the coolest things is that it lasts about 20 seconds. Like oh. it's just boom, it's over, you know, and then bachelor boy most of the time loses and off he goes. Sometimes he wins though. And when it wins, when the bachelor wins, it can be really sad because the stallion who maybe had those mares and you know, that family and, and the yearlings for years is now a bachelor himself and they will stand, you know, maybe 500 feet away and just look in at the family they once had. And so there's a lot of drama yeah. with wild horses, but once you photograph them and spend a lot of time with them, you see these interactions and you see how incredibly complex and wonderful they are and why it's so very sad that they're ripped apart with these government roundups. Well, it sounds like an incredible journey that you sort of started on, and uh, hopefully it ends for the better for the animals. Well, I hope so. I And I really thank you so much because, you know, I know uh, mostly your subject matter is music, and I could also talk to you about music forever, too. But No, it's interesting. Uh, I've talked to, like, you know, a woman I, I knew in high school. Uh, she runs a Thai boxing gym in Thailand, and we talked so I'm, oh, cool. I mean, my last few ones have been, have been music just cause I kind of got lucky and, and people said, yes, they, <laughs> they would, they would do the, sh the show. But, um, 
But I talk to anybody with a great story, and you certainly have, oh, uh, have qualified for that. Like, in, I could have just focused on like radio, though, for you. Like, you have so many different stories, right? Like, you're not just one. There's there's so many different facets to what you've done in your life. Oh, thank you. You know, one time I'll come back and I'll tell my Bruce Springsteen hot tub mm -hmm, story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember. Are you gonna Are you gonna even bother trying to see him on Broadway? You know what? I'm not really very happy about what Bruce is doing right now. Really? I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. I've seen him 29 times. Mm -hmm. um, now, that's not super huge. I know people have seen him 150 times, yeah. but I've seen him 29 times. I'm a fan. And um, I'm not really happy with the prices that he's charging, that's ridiculous. I have to say. Yeah. So a lot of my friends that are big Bruce Springsteen fans um, have gone. They have paid the money to go. To me, it's like, wait a second, Bruce, you you won your fame, earned your fame um, by writing about the common person yeah. who is just the blue class, you know, yeah. working stiff, you know, like yeah. And now you're <laughs> um, charging twenty five hundred. Yeah, and and so I have a problem with it. I, I, I I'm I'm actually boycotting it. You know, I I watched the Tonys for I have no idea why, <laughs> and um, <laughs> like I, it was on. I was like, oh, what the hell? And um, they gave him a special Tony. They just gave it to him. They didn't yeah. they didn't say like it's for whatever. They're like on a special Tony. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like. Like there have been people who've like worked their whole lives just for that one award, you know. Uh -huh. They yeah. want to be recognized well, by the Broadway community, and he just shows up, and they're just, and I think Billy Joel had gotten one once before for. Uh, let's see, I don't know. It seems a little. It's like they're pandering to him. Yeah, know? yeah. Oh, well, you. I, you know, he. I I love. I, I still love him very much, and I, you know, would give anything to to have a you know a coffee or a beer with him yeah. sometime and you know I just adore the guy and I adore everything he stands for and you know when America's going through something you know you look to different people and he's one of the people you yeah. look to yeah uh, and always will be but uh, this one particular area I have a problem with yeah. and I'm really hoping that he gets back together with the East Street Boys and 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 Patty and Susie, and, and they get back on the road because they're all kind of wondering what the heck's going on, too. Like, I have, I do follow, you know, I follow Nils Lofgren and Danny Fitter. Like, I just follow yeah. them, right? And um, so they're all kind of just in a holding pattern. And when Bruce announced that the show was going to be extended, you know, it almost looks like, is this like a Las Vegas, yeah, you exactly. know, house gig? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Vegas next, you know, like. Yeah. Are you doing a residency here, Bruce? You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, 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 I will, you know, continue to love him. Um, and you know, the next time we talk, I probably will have gone to New York. <laughs> see, <now. laughs> see, that's what I love about you, though. You have your passion, but if I get a ticket, you know, I might. Uh... <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like exactly. there's a the comedian Jim Jeffries talks about um, uh, Chick Fil A. And, you know, how they're very anti-LGBTQ, the Chick-fil-A people, right? Mm -hmm. But their chicken sandwich is so delicious. <laughs> 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 you know, like, yeah, they, what they stand for is awful. Yeah. But, oh, man, three pickles in that sauce. It's 
so good. But you have to, at the end of the day, you have to stand for something, right? Yeah. And so I'm laughing at what you're saying, but I, I would never set foot in a Chick Fil A, never oh, in a million years. Yeah. Like, and that's that's a pretty easy boycott for yeah. me because we don't even have them here, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's pretty easy, but um, you know, you just I think you, well, I think if you go through your life without standing for something then it's almost like a waste opportunity, wasted opportunity. But so you correct me what do I'm... you, what do you stand? Is there one thing that you oh, just God. will not do because you boy, you know, you boycott your passion is so strong that you will not do blank. I'm sure there is. I just, I can't, I can't think of it off the top of my head. So clearly, I don't know if there isn't something. Okay. Well, just email me when you yeah. think of it. <laughs> but but <laughs> I was going to say, and, and if you don't want me to put this on, I'll, I'll edit it out. But am I not, wrong in thinking you would not voice commercials for furriers oh yeah you're exactly right i actually got into a huge i got into a huge battle actually i got into several battles now that i think about it uh with a salesperson when i was writing radio commercials and the salesperson was actually one of my best friends so we had this fantastic rapport where you know he would go out and sell uh, a client radio advertising and then i would write the commercial mm -hmm. So he came back one day with um, some information for the commercials and it was all this propaganda about how fur, um, the fur industry is the only source of revenue for our Aboriginal people and if you don't buy fur coats, then oh. um, you're taking food off their table. So um, I said, I, I, I'm not writing, I'm not writing that. I can't, I can't do that. Like this, it was, it was because the fur store, the particular fur store, coat store was starting to really lose sales, you know, yeah. because people were starting to realize, hey, you know what? We don't have to buy fur coats. Right. We can easily get by with down, or not down, that's even worse. Um, you know, we like man-made material, warm coats. Yeah. Um, so they were losing sales. So they figured this would be the angle that would get people back into the store. And I refused to do it. And he got very angry with me. And uh, yeah, so um, I had a wonderful boss, Jan Hansen, one of the best bosses I could ever have or anyone could ever have. And she, um, she understood my passion. And she, from then on, she took away any account from me that would ever um, put me in a position that would go against my own values and morals. So it all worked out. Um, I think it was given to um, one of the other writers, Lori, who begrudgingly did it, but she did it, you know, because she heard, you know, that's well, that was, she wasn't like me. And uh, years later, I was also in a huge fight with the general manager because our radio station had taken on this, this handle of being animal friendly, pet Ottawa's only pet-friendly radio oh, station. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and there was an extension of that, and I, thought, I was so happy that our radio station was um, partnering up with all these different animal excuse me, animal charities and all this, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, in the morning show, um, I was having to read some, some live tags for a hunting store. Oh, God. And, and I refused to do it. I just refused to do it, so... Um, yeah, I got into a very, very large fight over that one, and I was actually let go not long after that. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Oh, so I was... Now, no. I think I was going to be let go anyway, because what happens in radio is that 
uh, you're a radio announcer for a number of years, but it's a very finite career. Yeah. And when you work for a number of years, eventually your salary goes up. You know, mm -hmm. it has to. So once your salary goes up, they you're, you now have a target on your head because they can replace you pretty easily with someone for a third the yeah. salary, right? Yeah. So that, that was the position I was in. So I was pretty sure I was... They were looking for excuses to get rid of me anyways. So it was probably not the best idea for me to get into this big fight. <laughs> Take a step. Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm so proud of myself because I've earned the right to say, I don't want to do that. I'm yeah. not doing that. I'm not doing that. But you weren't but, doing um, it. Look, I knew people, <clears throat> excuse me there, who did it out of ego. This was not out of ego. This was out of a moral compass that you had and you were following it. Yeah. And it. It gets me into trouble sometimes, but I, like I said, I don't care. Like if you don't stand for anything, then, you know, I don't know. People can go through their lives just doing their thing. And I wasn't born with that gene. And, you know, I often envy people who, who were born with the gene that makes them just go through their life and not really have to be really super passionate about yeah. anything. <laughs> I often envy people like that because it's so much easier. Yeah. Your life is so much easier than mine because I'm always like, ah, oh, well, okay, I'm going to jump right into that. I'm helping with that right now. I don't read books because I never have time to read books. That's fine. That's, that's fine. There's nothing good out there anyway. It doesn't matter. No, oh, okay. no, no one's writing anything good anymore. <laughs> there is not one good book out there. They've written the last book. The last good book that was written was A Prayer for Owen Meany, and that was in 1991, I think. So we're, we're good. There's no more. There's okay. No more. They're done. They're done. Um, well, if you want to read something, go to the website that right. I mentioned earlier. Go to wildhorseeducation.org uh, or American, what was it? American Wild Horse Campaign. American Wild Horse Campaign dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Or Sandy Sharkey with an E Y at the end. Dot com. And Sandy Sandy's got a Y too. Yes. So it's Sandy Y Sharkey E Y dot com. And I mean, just I'm not I, I do sell prints, but it's a really small part of what I do. Mm -hmm. But I also have uh, on my website there is a blog and if you scroll down throughout my blog you will read a lot of what I, I have talked to you about today so okay. um, that's another way that you can see some of the hands-on experiences that I've had with wild horses and hopefully you can you know share 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 is the most important thing awareness is power yeah. right well I'm hoping that more than my regular nine people listen to this <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to share it. For and sure. So you're going to you. be up to 10. Well, Rob, too. My husband will listen. All right. That's 11. Rob should dude, listen. Uh, dude Rob... will listen. Okay. Dude's my dog. I th oh, okay. That's the uh, St. Bernard I see? He's a Bernese mountain Bernese, dog. sorry. Bernese. Yeah. I always thought so it was, he'll listen. I always thought it was Bernese, but it's Burmese, right? Or wait, which is it's it? It's Bernese with an N. Yeah, I thought it was and... Burmese. I yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And we, when we were in the American Southwest, we played the game, the Burmese mountain dog game. Okay. <laughs> Everywhere we went, people would say, oh my God, you have a Burmese mountain dog. <laughs> and, and we just, you know, we would say, yeah, you know, what's the point of correcting yeah. a complete stranger, right? Yeah. And make them feel bad or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, these dogs are not actually from Burma. <laughs> <laughs> They're from the Swiss mountains, Swiss Alps. Okay. <laughs> And that's dude named after, I'm going to guess, uh, the dude? He sure is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. He was uh, named after 
Jeff Bridges, one of the best characters of all time, the dude. We have a boat called the Big Lebotsky. <laughs> and uh, on the boat, we have this little electronic battery-operated thing that a friend gave us for Christmas. And when you press the button, it goes, uh, what does it say? The dude abides, man. <laughs> and uh, careful, I have a beverage, man. <laughs> or, well, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> So we, we blast this thing when we go down the river. It's really funny. People, sometimes, we had this, these two kayakers. Our boat goes like one mile an hour, so kayakers actually go by they us. <laughs> and, and one time we were going down the river, and these two kayakers were beside us, and they were laughing their heads off at um, at the name, because the, the big Lebotsky is splashed yeah. on the back of the boat. And they're like, oh, cool boat, man. And then they start launching into all the catchphrases from the movie. Yeah. And my husband is just going back and forth. And this went on for about half an hour. And, oh, <laughs> it was just so funny. Like, you know, I, that, that movie is so adored yeah. by so many. And it just lives on. Like, it grows and grows and grows in popularity as the years go on. I think, to me, it's the funniest movie ever made. Yeah, I will. If it ever, just if I'm flipping the channels and I see it, I'll, I'll pick it up from where, whatever point it's at. I don't care. It could be the last yep. five minutes or it could be five <laughs> minutes into it. I'll still, you know, I'll still watch it. Cause it's, just, Oh yeah. I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes is when they go to scatter Donnie's ashes and they just blow back. <laughs> oh, yeah. From the coffee. Yeah. From the co yeah. The whole they scene. Afford the yeah. proper urn or whatever. When they're leading yeah. up and they're talking to the funeral director and they want to, what, like, borrow the urn, I think, and then return it? <laughs> well, to give you an idea of how much my husband loves the Big Lebowski, um, so the opening scene, Jeff Bridges is at Ralph's buying a quart of milk or right. a pint of milk, and he's writing a check yeah. for it, right? Yeah. So we're out in the American Southwest. We're in California. Rob sees a Ralph's, <laughs> and he has to go in and get a Ralph's card. So now, like, he flashes his Ralph's card to everybody he knows, and people are like, what the heck? It's a grocery store bonus points card. And this is like my husband's most prized possession is his Ralph's card. Oh, God. Okay, we're going to end it on that, on the Lebowski. Okay. Uh, All right, the big Lebowski. Thank you so much for this. Like I said, always one of my favorite people in radio. One of my favorite people. Oh, you're so nice. I, I, I miss having you around. I love seeing you at Blues Fest yeah, all the time. Fun. Well, um, we'll do this when you get back from Botswana, if that's okay, so we can yeah, talk sure. some more. Absolutely. Um, and uh, maybe I'll have some stories to tell you. I'm going to see Joe Jackson in a couple weeks in oh wow in cool. Harrisburg, PA. So nice. See how that goes. It should be a good. That's show. fantastic. He's amazing. Well, enjoy and yeah, thank uh, thanks you. again for um, giving me a little bit of um, a, you know help with my awareness campaign with the Wild Horses. I really appreciate that and. Hopefully we will uh, see each other in person again sometime, but I will give you a shout when I get back from this Great. Botswana. I look forward to it. Have safe travels to you and to Rob. And, Thank uh, you. And we'll talk soon, Sandy. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much, John. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That was it. That was uh, Sandy talking to me for close to an hour um, about a lot of things. Most importantly, uh, the central message of that was all about the, um, the wild horses in America and in, in uh, Canada as well. But uh, a couple of things she mentioned uh, were, she kept on using the uh, three-letter acronym BLM. That was Bureau of Land Management. I should have maybe said that at the beginning, and I didn't, so 
I hope that's okay that I cleared that up. And uh, the website's, again, it's sandysharky.com, and it's uh, sharky, K-E-Y.com, and wildhorseeducation.org, and americanwildhorsecampaign.com. wildhorseeducation.org, americanwildhorsecampaign.com, and uh, that was, again, my interview with Sandy. Maybe I'll get in touch with her again, and we'll talk about... Uh, Springsteen in the hot tub because it's a thing. I've heard the story before and it's great. All of her stories um, are great and uh, she's an enjoyable person to talk to. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening again. It's uh, tolazytowrite.com. That's the website. Uh, the podcast you're listening to, it's available on iTunes, on Google Play. You can follow me on Twitter at the real John Baker and there's no H in that because that would be Shahan. And uh, I don't know who I'm going to be talking to next. Um, Your guess is as good as mine, but I have a pretty good guess because it's my podcast. Anyway, (laughs) thanks a lot, and give me the feedback all you want on the website. Um, Thanks for listening, and have yourself a great week. Take care.